we are right in the middle of a series that we have called Lies That We Believe. Lies That We Believe. And today, I want to talk to you about pain. You know, America is a pain-conscious nation. How many of you know that's true? Everywhere you look, you're going to see advertisements for pain relievers, painkillers, pain reducers. Science is always coming up with new formulas. It is big business. How many know that? I mean, we've gone from aspirin to Tylenol. We've gone from ibuprofen to naproxen. It seems from an advertiser's perspective that the whole world has got a headache. Am I right? But the fact is, pain is a part of life. Do you agree? To never have any pain in your life is to be inhuman. We've got physical pain. We've got spiritual pain. We've got emotional pain. We've got it all. How many of you have at least had those three in the last week? Now, the world has taught us all sorts of lies about pain that just aren't true. Some of those lies are harmless, but some are destructive. So today, I want to talk to you about a lie and just take about just a few minutes to do so. This lie that says this, it's on the screen. If I ignore my pain, it will what? Go away. If I ignore my pain, it'll go away. Now, in other words, people say, well, if I just block my pain out of my memory, or if I just pretend that it didn't happen, if I gloss over it, that there won't be any pain. Now, guys, listen to me. Beneath that lie is another lie that says it's easier to avoid problems than to face them. Ever hear that one, by the way? Sure, sure you have. I'm just going to tell you that's not true. And it's not healthy. The eminent psychologist Scott Peck said this, and I'm just going to read it to you. He said, fearing the pain involved, almost all of us, to a greater or lesser degree, attempt to avoid problems. We procrastinate, hoping that they will go away. We ignore them, we forget them, we pretend that they do not exist. We even take drugs to assist us in ignoring them so that by deadening ourselves to the pain, we can forget about the problems that cause the pain. And we do that, by the way, not just with prescription drugs, but we do that with a little drug called alcohol or other non-prescription drugs. We attempt to skirt around problems rather than meet them head on. We attempt to get out of them rather than suffer through them. And then listen to this. Listen to how he ends this quote. It's profound, he says. The attempt to avoid legitimate suffering lies at the root of all emotional illness. Let me say that again. The attempt to avoid legitimate suffering lies at the root of all emotional illness. Now that is quite a statement. The fact is, is that God doesn't want you to ignore pain. God wants you to discover the cause of pain so that you can find relief for the pain you go through. So what is pain? Let's just start there. Sound good? Turn to somebody and say, well, what is it anyway? Here's what I'd say. I'd say pain is a warning light. Think about a warning light in your car. And the warning light is flashing, something's wrong in my life. So let me ask you, is it wise to ignore a warning light? No, it's not wise. Have you ever done that in your car? Have you ever warned that warning light that says low on oil? How'd that turn out? You ever avoid that warning light that said low on gasoline? 
How did that turn out? That's not wise. The truth is, pain is a tool, and God uses it for good in my life. The problem is this. We often don't understand what the good is. <laughs> in fact, I'm reminded that Jesus said to his followers, you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you will understand. Now, nowhere is that truth more appropriate than when we talk about your pain, because we don't realize the purpose in it. And if pain doesn't have a purpose, it's very difficult to handle. Do you know that? It's much easier to handle when you can at least see the reason why you're going through it. So what I want to do is this morning is I want to talk to you about five reasons God takes you through pain. Are you ready? Five reasons that God takes you through what? Pain. Let's talk about them, beginning with number one. Here's the first thing, if you'd write this down. God uses pain in my life to goad me. God uses pain in my life to goad me. Now, what does goad mean? Goad means to motivate me. Goad means to spur me into action. Now, that's what pain does, like nothing else. For example, how many of you are like me? I don't want to go to the dentist. Anybody there? I usually don't want to go to the dentist until the pain gets so bad. Until the pain is greater than my fear of the dentist, then I will move into action. You know, you've heard me say many times, we don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. And that's really true. Most people don't change just because they've seen the light, but they change when it becomes painful. That's why Proverbs says, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Now, do you agree with that verse? Of course you do. Why? Because the pain prods us. It pushes us. It compels us to change. Pain forces us to change even when we don't want to. <laughs> By the way, do you know how many psychiatrists it takes to change a light bulb? Anybody know that? It takes one, but the light bulb has to really want to change. <laughs> now universally, listen, when we hit rock bottom... That's when we're challenged to change. Notice the prodigal son example in the New Testament. Jesus tells the parable of the young man, and it says after he spent everything that he had, and he says, I'm about to starve, then he came to his senses, he humbled himself, and he said, I'll get up and go to my father. See, it's hunger pains that finally motivated the guy to do the right thing. Anybody here ever have hunger pains? Let's talk about hunger. Come on. Anybody got them right now? making you want to go to lunch. Some of us have hunger pains perpetually. You know, and when you have hunger pains, what do you want to do? You make a run for the refrigerator. Or how many of you remember that expression, you make a run for the, for the border? You know, one time, Melissa, Melissa caught me and she goes, uh, hey, Shane, last night there were two pieces of pie in the refrigerator and now there's only one. Can you explain that? And I said, sure. I didn't see the other piece. That was it. <laughs> What happens? God uses pain to motivate me. We'd rarely change if we didn't have pain in our life. So God will use pain to goad you. Everybody say goad. There you go. You learned a new word. Next, number two, write this down. God will use pain in my life to not just goad me, but to guide me. In other words, like a bit in a horse's mouth, he turns us different directions because of the pain we go through. 
In fact, I like the psalmist. The, the psalms are filled with pain, by the way. I'd encourage you when you're going through a time of pain just to read the psalms and look at the faith in the midst of pain. But look at the psalmist. He says in 119, the best thing that could have happened to me is the pain for it taught me to pay attention to your laws. Now, David is saying there that pain is a teaching tool. By the way, has God ever had to use pain to get your attention? Can I get a show of hands? Oh, yeah. And of course, you're very well aware of that. C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said, God whispers to us through our pleasure, but he shouts at us through our pains. In fact, he went on to say, pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God is saying, I want your attention. And boy, does he get it when you go through pain. Now, by the way, again, I'm giving you lots of little side notes here. It shouldn't take a lot of pain. How many of you know a small rudder can turn a big ship? I hope you're not one of those people that it takes a lot of pain to change. Do yourself a favor. It takes just a little pain in your life to change you if you let God do it, to begin to lead you in a new direction. I mean, just like a baby cries when it needs to be changed, pain means change. Look at this verse, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7. Let's read it together. Here it goes. You ready? Let God... Circle the word train. Let God train you. Here we go, everybody together. Let God train you, for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. Whoever heard of a son who has never been corrected? So you look at that word train and you say, sometimes the only way that God is going to train me is through pain. Listen to me. Let me ask you a question. How many parents do I have in the room? Or online, man, just type it in there, I'm a parent. But go ahead, show me hands again. How many parents? All right. How many of you parents would rather not have to discipline your children? Show hands. Wow, all of you. But how many of you parents, even though you'd rather not have to discipline your kids, you'll do it for their own good anyway? Come on. Sure you will. And why do you do it? Tell me. Oh, out of love. Wow. Well, friends, God's the same way. But sometimes God has to take you through pain to move you into the right direction. But I want to say something to you. And some of you need to let this sink deeply into your heart. God does not do it because he's angry. Let me say that again. God is not doing that to you because he is angry. God is not doing that to you because he's retaliating. There are people that actually believe that the reason they're going through a crisis in their life is for something they did when they were younger or some sin in their past. Let me tell you something. God doesn't get revenge. God does not have the character of a man that he would retaliate. Don't project onto God human flesh. No, God does it because he loves you. And God puts you through pain to move you in the right direction. And so he goads us and he guides us with the pain that we have in our lives. But you never need to doubt God's love. It's his motive. We talked about that last week. Do you remember? You never need to doubt God's love. It's for our good. Next, write this down. Number three. God uses pain not to just goad me or guide me, but he uses pain to gauge me. In other words, gauge me means that it's God's measuring tool. God uses it to help me to see where I need to get my life in order. 
For example, when I experience pain, do you know the way you react to the pain is a measure of your faith? Do you know that? Think about right now how you're reacting to the pains in your life. I'm telling you, that's a test of your faith. God is testing you. He's measuring you. And it's not because he doesn't know. He wants you to know. He wants you to see. My maturity can be gauged. My patience can be gauged. God wants you to see what's inside of you. When God was chasing after Adam and Eve in the garden, do you remember the story? They sinned. And then he looked at both man and woman and he said, what did he ask? He asked a question. He said, what was it? Do you remember? He said, where are you? Do you think he asked that question because he didn't know? No, God's God. God knew right where they were. Why do you think he asked them, where are you? Because he wanted them to think about that. He wanted them to know. God wants you to know what's going on in here. Listen to me, friends. People are like tea bags. You don't know what's in them until you drop them in hot water. Then you'll see. Now, the Bible compares hot water to what we call a refining fire. How many have ever heard that before? It's a refining fire. The scripture says God is like a fire that is heated up to refine gold or silver. And as the heat goes up, the impurities, they're burned off. Here's the question. If he's burning you right now, what's showing up in your life? And what are you allowing him to burn away? God says in Isaiah just this when he says, See, I have refined you, though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of what? Affliction, he says to his people Israel. I've tested you. Pain is a test. It exposes the real you. Do you know why, by the way, it exposes the real you? I'm looking at a bunch of good-looking people in here today. I've noticed you're all fixed up. You look great. I can see that your hair's all done, at least some of you. I can see that you, you know, you, you look dressed, you look comfortable. I, some of you I was watching walk in today and you're sort of, you know, you're walking with a swagger, you know. Especially I noticed the single people there, they got swag. And, no, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But you're feeling good. You got your hair done, you got your makeup done. You, you've come to church, you've got your best clothes on maybe. In other words, you've got your image and you're feeling pretty good, right? But if I give you three days at home with the flu, you couldn't care less about your image, could you? Why? Well, because you're miserable. You know what? God says to every human being, he says, that's right where I want you. That's good. You ought to care more about your character than you do your image. Pain tests your character. Now, guys, I'm going to ask you a question. Really, just rhetorically to yourself, ask, how's my character? How's my holiness? How's my living after Jesus? Is Jesus who is the Christ, is he number one in my life really? Or am I putting other things ahead of him and I know it? James says tests and challenges, they will come at you from all sides and you know that under pressure your faith life is forced into the open to show its true colors. He's saying here pressure. Guys, if I were to take my favorite coffee mug and put it in a vice grip, and record it as a scientific experiment and just keep the pressure on that cup. 
and we were to record that and slow it down to however many frames per second, over time, you would see on the video, what are the weak points of that cup? That's where it would crack first. And sometimes, God puts pressure on your life to show you the cracks, to show you the weak spots that you need to begin to deal with. What's on the inside? What does pressure reveal about your faith? What are your true colors? I so bad want to sing that, uh, was, it, was it Cindy Lauper? True colors shining through. No. You know, the children of Israel, they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. It took them 40 years. Now, it should have taken them only two weeks to go from Egypt to Israel. But God has them wander for 40 years. Why? Now, listen to me. Here's exactly why. I'm going to tell you why God had to do that. Because even though God freed them and they were a people who lived free, they weren't the people who knew how to act free. Many of you, God has freed you, but you've not learned how to live free. God's given you salvation, he's redeemed you, and he's called you by name, but you're still walking around a slave. And God says, you wonder why I make you wander. <laughs> you wonder why I make you go through pain. Wake up! Turn to me! How are you doing? It could be that you're going through an emotional wilderness right now. It could be that you're going through a financial wilderness. It could be that opportunities have dried up for you. Maybe your health is dried up. God says this is a test. I'm gauging you so that you will come to grips with who you are. I may be guiding you. I may be goading you. Or number four, write this down. He says, you know what I might be doing? I might be guarding you. In other words, sometimes God uses pain to protect me from something worse. Something far worse. Sometimes he uses pain to protect us in ways we can't see, but he, he's preventing us from getting involved in something that we'd regret or we shouldn't be involved in. Don't you see that pain can be a disguise? For example, how many of you really enjoy having a fever? Give me a show of hands. Nobody? And yet a fever is God's way of telling you that you have an infection. Do you need to know that you have an infection? So you can see the wisdom of the fever. You don't want the fever, but without the fever, you don't know that you may have a life-threatening infection, do you? God says, I give pain so that you will wake up and understand. Often it's a trigger of some other life-threatening illness. I'll never forget my mom, bless her heart. She passed about 12 years ago. In her final years of her life, she was experiencing a tremendous amount of back pain. And every time I'd go to her house, oh, Shane, my back hurts so bad, it hurts so bad. And at first, I just started with, you know, recline, mom, relax. We did massages. We tried to use a heating pad or a cold press. Cold press is what I'd recommend, by the way, for back pain. Anyway. So, like, mom, we'll take care of you. Don't worry. Well, come to find out the pain wasn't stopping. So what did we do? We took her to the doctor. And what did we find out? It wasn't just a backache. But she had cancer running through her whole spine. Now, I thank God that we found the cancer so that we could prolong her days and spend some time with her and she could get that treated as opposed to just living miserably. I heard of a guy that attended North Point Church a few years ago. He was on top of a ladder. He was doing some household chores. He knows who he is. He fell off the ladder. It, it, was, it was a bummer. He hurt himself really badly. He was in the hospital. He was bummed that he was in the hospital. But upon doing a CT scan, they found that he had a brain tumor. 
that they said would have been left in there, it would have killed him. There was no sign of the brain tumor until he got the CT scan. But sometimes God will do that to guard us. Sometimes he'll allow us to go through painful emotions, to warn me when I feel depression, when I feel resentment, when I feel anger, when I feel worry, when I feel apathy. God is saying something to me. I'll never forget one of my mentors. His name is Pastor Doug Hulk, worship pastor at People's Church for years and years and years with G.L. Johnson. He said to our pastoral team about six or seven years ago, he says, listen, what offends your mind will reveal what's in your heart. Let me say that again. He says, what offends your mind will reveal what's in your heart. And sometimes there are things and feelings that I have that aren't good ones, but it's because God's showing me what's really going on inside my own heart. That something in my life is out of whack. And by the way, that's okay to admit that something in your life is out of whack. I'm always out of whack. I'm always out of whack. It's okay to say, God, I need the help. You know... I, I've mentioned this several times because I love to get you to go with me. I want everybody in this church to go to Israel sometime. Everybody. I think that'd be amazing. So we just got back from a three-week trip, and, you know, we did all sorts of things. I mean, from baptizing in the Sea of Galilee to walking the steps of Jesus to riding camels. But one of the things that we did, I had never done it before, is that we got to learn what it means to be a Middle Eastern shepherd. And they, and they asked, which one of you wants to be the shepherd? And everybody pointed to me. That's our shepherd. <laughs> And I was so nervous because I've never shepherded a, a bunch of sheep and goats. But they go, okay, all right, so what's your plan? How are you going to shepherd? I've never done this before in my life. But I start shepherding them, and, and the group starts to help me, and we're shepherding them. Now, there's something I learned about Middle Eastern shepherds. Listen to this. When a Middle Eastern shepherd, when they have a sheep or a lamb that is prone to wander, like that lamb will not stay with the flock. It'll run off by itself. And that shepherd wants to protect it. See, the shepherd, don't, they don't want the lamb to fall off a cliff and get out there all by itself. It, the wolf will eat the lamb or, a, or it'll get caught in briars or something like that. So you know what the Middle Eastern shepherds will do because the lamb is prone to wander? Middle Eastern shepherds will break both its legs. Now that sounds pretty cruel, but they're actually doing it out of love. And so what they'll do is they'll break the legs and then they'll put splints on the legs. And now this little sheep can only hobble along and it stays right with the shepherd. And it learns how to stay right there as it heals. God looks at your life sometimes and he says, you need your legs broke. Why? Because I'm a good shepherd. And you may resent it and you may resist it but it's because he loves you and it's because he's guarding you. Now, let me give you this last one. We'll be done. You're like, man, Shane's going fast today. <laughs> Lunchtime. All right, here we go. Number five. 30 minutes on this last point. Here we go. Just kidding. Number five. Here we go. Write this down. God uses pain to grow me. God uses pain to grow me. Or in other words, to make me mature. A woman by the name of Margaret Clarkson, she wrote a book, and I love the title. It's called Grace Grows Best in the Winter. <laughs> Let me say that again. It's a beautiful book. She entitled it Grace Grows Best in the Winter. Now, I love it because, see, it's possible to grow spiritually and emotionally in the bright, healthy, cheerful sunlight of summer when everything's doing great or the spring 
But I'm going to tell you something. Listen to me, my friend. You grow faster and you grow far deeper when you're going through the dark phase of the soul. You grow more in valleys than you do mountaintops. It's just the way human beings are made. It's the way it goes. I, I just want to speak frankly as your pastor here for a minute. Do you know how many hosts of people in the last couple of years have come to me and told me, Pastor, I've gone through the worst time of my life. I've never gone through anything this bad, but I've never grown so much as in the last couple of years. You know, I always talk to you about early morning prayer. I tell you, come to early morning prayer. Join me at 6 a.m. You know, and I joke with you to get up. Jesus rose from the grave. You could do it, you know. And, and, uh, and, and, and I get you, and we're, you know, 6 a.m. or Monday prayer with women or Wednesday prayer with men. I mean, we're praying every day of the week around here. But I encourage you to come. You know who comes? By and large, the people that learn to come consistently, it's because they're in the middle of a divorce. They're in the middle of a health crisis. I'm not kidding. They're in that prayer room and they're weeping. And they're wanting support of a community that will lay hands on them and pray with them and love them. And here's what happens. That person starts to come to early morning prayer and that individual, I've seen this happen again and again and again and again. That particular individual becomes so godly and becomes so close to Jesus and then inevitably they say, this has been the hardest year of my life but it has been the best year of my life. Because suddenly... All the things that contributed to the divorce, all of the bad habits, all of the bad attitudes, all of the crap and sin that weighs you down, they're starting to learn how to deal with because they're spending time in the presence of their Abba Father. God wants that for you. I hear people say to our pastors, I've grown more through this separation than any other time in my life. I've grown more through this unemployment than any other time in my life. I've grown more through this loss than any other time of my life. I've grown more through this illness than any other time in my life. This crisis, this loneliness. Why? Because grace grows best in the winter. It does. James says it this way, it says, for when the way is rough, your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Don't try and squirm out of your problems. And can I add, don't try and medicate them away. No, because then you'll be ready for anything. Strong in character. Full and complete. By the way, somewhere on your outline, this is not a fill-in, but you could just write it down. Pain Write this down. Pain is the high cost of growth. Now it's trite, but it's true because without pain, there's no what? Gain. Do you know what our problem is? I'm going to tell you what your problem is and my problem is. We want the product without the process. We just want God to zap us. Oh, make me godly. Okay, zap, you're godly. Oh, make me patient. Okay, zap. You're patient. That's, what we, that's how we pray. We think it's supposed to work like that. And what God's saying is, oh, you've prayed to be godly? <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> now, God's not vengeful. But the maturity, the emotional stability, the health, the wholeness, we want the confidence and the meaning. We want the assurance. We want the significance. But we don't want the process, which is pain, which is suffering. Don't you see? C.S. Lewis 
I love C.S. Lewis. He wrote a book. I gave you two books to read last week. I think I, I remember, if you weren't here, they were awesome to last week's theme. Go back, listen to the message, get these two books. Abba's Child and the Ragamuffin Gospel. Abba's Child and the Ragamuffin Gospel about the love of God for you. But let me give you a book for today. You ready? If you didn't get those books and you want something on this topic, pick up C.S. Lewis's book, write down the title, The Problem of Pain. C.S. Lewis, The Problem of Pain. He, he, he says that, you know, I have already quoted him. He says that pain is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. It's through pain that he shouts at you, wake up. But you know what he says? He says, listen, God is like the grand artist. And like any artist... If you're just doodling a thumbnail sketch, well, you're just going to doodle it and go, oh, good enough. There you go. But that artist, for the great work of their life, they will rub and erase and scrape and redraw and rub and move all the while that piece of art. See, the great artist loves his work, so he's going to do whatever it takes to make it good. All the while, <laughs> that piece of art is going, stop! And see, we pray all the time, Lord, why am I going through this? Why am I going through this as if God hated you? And I want you to understand it's exactly the opposite. It's because he loves you that he's taken you through it. That he scrapes and he erases and he rubs. In fact, when you're praying for God to take it away, you're not praying for, you're not praying for more love. You're praying for less love. Because God's saying, I'm going to love you by taking you through this. That's what he does. Look at the message version of James 1.4. It says, so don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work and you become mature and well-developed. Or Paul says it this way. Yet we believe now that we have had this experience that we might learn to what? Come on. Learn to? Not in ourselves, but in God. By the way. This issue of learning to trust, that's why we encourage you to pick up all the biblical habits we've encouraged you to do today. Because every biblical habit, whether it's reading your Bible or giving your money, is a way of saying, God, I trust you first. It's better to trust him than to make him take you through all the crap before you're going to realize you got to trust me. And now, then Paul looks at the church and he says, you know, and now I'm glad I sent it. Not because it hurts you, but because the pain turns you to God. Now, can you say that's true of you? What are you letting pain do in your life? 1 Peter 4.19 says, so if you're suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what is right. Trust yourself to God who made you, for he will what? Never fail you. So I want to encourage you today. Do an evaluation. Think of the hurt that you're going through, the pain, and I want you to ask yourself, here's what you need to ask. Father, why are you taking me through this? Father, are you taking me through this to goad me, to motivate me, to action? God, are you taking me through this to guide me? Do you need me to turn left when I've turned right? God, are you using this pain to gauge me so that I can see what's going on in my own heart? Is there a warning light that's blinking, telling me that I've got to change something? God, why have you broken my legs? God, are you keeping me from wandering off? Paul said, yet we believe now that we've had this experience that we might learn to trust, not in ourselves, but in God. Let's pray. Father,
Thank you for every man and woman that's here today. Lord, as we've been looking at these lies every week, lies that we believe, um, we want so desperately to hold on to truth. Thank you that your word is truth. Thank you that you teach us. I pray, Lord, in Jesus' name, for every person hurting right now, you'd give them comfort. You are Jehovah Rapha. You are God, our healer. You are the great physician. You are a healer. You are Jehovah Nisi. You're our banner. Some of us need inspiration because we are um, struggling emotionally. So be their banner. Be our banner that we could look to you and lift up our eyes and receive inspiration to keep pressing on. God, I pray for hurts and habits and addictions, asking for your strength in each of these people's lives. And would you pray this prayer with me, just everybody with me. Just say, Jesus, I give you my pain. I give you my hurts. Help me to trust you and walk with you and rely on you. Teach me what you will. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.